Welcome to the Never Stop Getting It podcast, where we take your mind out of reality and have a little fun with life. Here's your hosts, Steve Giroux, Scott Bailey, and John Osimo. All right, everybody. Another installment of Never Stop Getting a Podcast. We have another great guest ready to go. But before we get into it, John Scott, how are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. We have another uh, outstanding guest who never stops getting it. It's, it. Now we're on a roll here with how many guests we've had who have never stopped getting it. And I can't wait uh, for this guest. So uh, absolutely psyched. How about you, Scott? Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm excited because this is right up my my alley. Being a little, little, doing a little uh, dabble in, in the boxing area. Um, I mean, not not as great as our guest, but I still tried it. It's fun, uh, so I'm excited to get into this and uh, see what we can learn. All right, our guest today is Bonnie, the Queen Bee Man. Bonnie is a United States Marine Corps veteran, having served for eight years. Bonnie became. A, Began trying her skills in boxing in the late 1990s, in 1999 to 2000, as an amateur boxer. With her tenacity and perseverance in the sport, she took a bronze at the Women's U.S. Nationals both years. In 2002, Bonnie made her pro debut, having five pro fights, five, in one year? That's incredible. Wow. In fighting the likes of boxers like Holly Holm, Yvonne Rice, and more. Staying extremely active in 2003, she managed to fight six more times. In her boxing career, she fought noted boxers like Nicole Woods, Mitzi Rice, I might be butchering these last names, I'm sorry, and Carrie Flock. During her professional career, Bonnie won the WBE world title on April 16, 2005. In December 2010, she was ranked worldwide at number two. Bonnie had the opportunity to fight for the WIBA and WIBF world titles against Carlette Ewell, I'm sorry about that. In the 2010, Bonnie retired from professional boxing. After retiring, Bonnie continued to work with boxing by teaching classes for fitness at several gyms. As the director of the health and wellness at the YMCA in Cornering, New York, she established the Boxing for Fitness program for the YMCA for the Greater Rochester, which has 17 locations, and several of those currently run a boxing fitness program. In 2017, Bonnie was inducted into the Marine Corps Boxing Hall of Fame alongside many Marines, including retired referee Richard Steele and former heavyweight world champ Leonard Spinks. Bonnie, what an honor to have you on the Never Stop Getting a Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, it's fantastic. So uh, you joined the, uh, the Marine Corps right after school, I heard. You didn't even take any time off for yourself. What was up with that? Yeah. No, I, uh, I knew I just didn't, I didn't want to go to college right after I got out and, you know, being uh, up here in the middle of nowhere, you know, kind of, um, you know, is either go find a job like at a grocery store or gas station or something like that. And I just knew I wanted to do something more. And, uh, I thought, thought about the military and, uh, joined, uh, one year on delayed entry program my junior year. And so two days after I graduated high school, I was stepping on the uh, yellow feet down at Paris Island. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't miss the yellow feet. Great right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Steve Steve uh, it was also in the Marine Corps. And so he knows exactly what you went through. But I, I have to say, like, what made you choose the Marines over any other branch of the military? 
Well, I, I have I had an uncle who uh, was in the Marine Corps um, during Vietnam, and he never talked about it. And then I had another a step uncle who was in the Air Force. And so I was going back between the two of them. And I was much closer to my, my other uncle that was in the Marine Corps. But uh, and he came to like all my games and stuff along my his, my his then wife, my aunt, my mom's sister. And honestly, I just looked at the uniforms and looked, compared the dress blues. And I was and then I also looked at who was the more physical specimens. And to me, that was the Marine Corps. And so everything. You know, all the boxes were checked, and that's why I wow. picked it. What happened yeah. to you, Steve? Yeah, <laughs> those ones slipped through the cracks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Physical specimen, I love it. So, uh, you were the first uh, platoon or first trainer, the women training for the M16s. That must yes. have been yep. exciting and a little scary too, I'd imagine. Uh, for me, I just found it exciting and intriguing. Um, I think some of the uh, other females were a little bit you know, afraid of it, but, uh, I thought it was a, a big honor and I didn't see any reason why we couldn't do the same thing that most of the guys were doing. And so it was just kind of the first step. And, you know, it was, it was a little different because we had, you know, camera crews following us around. Oh, really? Uh, you know, obviously wanting to do stories on the first, first platoon to ever train with the M16A2. And, uh, but I loved it. I mean, I loved, you know, firing down range and, getting my expert on both that and the uh, nine millimeter. And I enjoyed it. Did you, did you ever fire a weapon before that? Yeah, I, a little bit. I mean, I, I was a Girl Scout Brownie and Girl Scout growing up. I was in for nine years. Uh, we all still stay in touch. And, um, and I, I remember one time, it was only one time we went to do a, a go camping at our leaders uh, property doing campfires. I was the one that was in charge of the campfires, starting the fires. I'm not sure what that really says about me, but um, I could always start one. I didn't have any problems with it. And, and we did, we fired um, a couple weapons there and it wasn't like something I just really like took to or anything. I just, it was something that just kind of came easy when I did do it. It wasn't like, Oh, let me just shoot that gun. Um, But when I did it, I was, you know, I was able to hit the target without really practicing anything. And the same thing when I was, you know, in the Marine Corps in boot camp, um, I had a really high score and uh, not really sure why that was, but it was just something I enjoyed doing. Nice. Yeah. So uh, what was your MOS? Uh, 1345 Heavy Equipment Operations. Now, so at the time, it was the only, again, it was kind of like a lot of firsts. It was the only... MOS where women could actually end up on the front line. Really? Oh, because that's intriguing. We, our job was to build tank traps. Right. Set up bad. comm units. Right. So you, I mean, you just said it too. You had uh, cameras following you around because obviously you sort of had celebrity status in that you were the first, not only with the M16s, but also the, the heavy, equi- you know, being able to have an MOS where you're in charge of heavy equipment front line. So, you know, you, you're an inspiration right away, and you have had these cameras following you around. I mean, what is that like? And, I mean, now you, it, you, you can reflect, look back on your life and say, you know, I was somebody who was a pioneer in, the, in this field, and I led the way. And so how does it make you feel when other women want to do what you did, and you were the first to do it? 
Um, you know, I mean, I've never, I've thought about that, you know, a lot in terms of the boxing side of it. And uh, even some of the things I did in the Marine Corps with sports, um, never really kind of looked at it that way of, you know, we were the first, um, it was funny because, you know, growing up as, as a kid, um, single mom, you know, who was a waitress and, you know, we didn't have a lot, uh, but I never felt like I didn't have what I needed or that I didn't have enough. I mean, that was just the way I knew life. Um, honestly, I, I just, in my gut, and I, I say this kind of in part of it in my, in the book, um, and the other book that I, I want to write, um, I've always said, I always had this gut feeling that I was meant to do something different with my life. Um, I knew there wasn't a lot of opportunity back in Bath, New York, and um, which, you know, ironically, I'm back here in Corning, which Bath is 20 minutes away. Um, right. But there just wasn't, you know, a lot. It's it's a small rural area. You know, now it's run down with a lot of, you know, you know, not so great things going on it like a lot of other small towns and um people are fighting to try to keep it alive but i just always in my gut i always you know the things i've had happen in my life i always was like that was that person's problem you know he was a problem i'm not a victim um i don't know i just always believed i was going to go out and do some different things with my life i didn't really know what that was um but looking back you know i'm glad i had that mindset and i'm glad that the things that I've gone through and done, there are other people now being able to, you know, do that and so much more. Yeah. Now the, the Marine Corps, was that where you picked up? Cause I, I, I know they do boxing and pugilistic stuff. Is that where you picked up boxing or were you doing it before or how did no, that come about? Um, no, actually in the Marine Corps, I played all Marine softball. Okay. So that softball was always my sport. Um, I mean, I played all kinds of sports from the time I could throw a ball, catch a ball, um, matter of fact, I wanted to play football, but my mom was like, no, <laughs> and, but I was, I was the first female to play little league, uh, oh, wow. great. in our County. Um, so there was another first, right. um, first of know, many, right. They just, yeah, they seem to just, you know, kind of follow me around and it's not anything I thought about or saw, saw out to do is just stuff that happened. Um, but no, I, I, I played all Marine softball. I played three years for the all Marine team, uh, traveling to do that. And when I say traveling, it's not like they do now where you're just set aside and you're like an Olympian and that's what you're right. doing to represent, mm -hmm. you know, the, the military, um, you know, we did our jobs too, but we would be gone for about three to four weeks between trying out for the team, going through cuts, um, going to tournaments and then, you know, playing the inner service tournaments. Um, but boxing actually, after about 20 plus years of playing softball and I was playing slow pitch, fast pitch, travel teams, two different towns and cities down in North Carolina, you know, Raleigh, Cary, that area. And I just got to, cause I was, I'm complete sidearm and I, and I don't mean just look, I'm complete sidearm. Yeah. And I just, after also a year of playing in the uh, Women's Professional Baseball League, oh, nice. uh, when a league of their own came out, it re-resurrected that league. And I played on a team in Raleigh, out of Raleigh. Oh, and, uh, and I was a pitcher and shortstop um, and still pitch sidearm. But my arm, like, yeah. that's my rotation now, you know, versus <laughs> my left. Right. 
and I was just looking for something different to do. Um, well, went to the gym, so quite weird. honestly, I spent like a year just lifting weights, thought I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And then I just didn't really care for that. After a year, I got bored and um, went to interview for a job. The, the president of the company said, well, you know, ask me what I like to do for fun. And I said, I like to play sports, you know, but I'm kind of wiped out on softball and stuff now and all the travel and burnout. And, and he said, well, when you come back from Orlando, because I had to interview for the same position, but down in Orlando, Florida, because when you come back, if you come back here and work, um, I'm going to introduce you to this girl. She's our lead packer. And this was for a moving company for North American Van Lines, okay. uh, Beltman. And they said, if you come back and you take this job, um, I'm going to introduce you to Teresa Arguello. And uh, she used to be a boxer in the 70s or in the 80s and 90s out in California in uh, La Habra. So ultimately, I went out and interviewed, took the job in North Carolina instead. They introduced me to her. She said, hey, you want to do a boxing workout in the warehouse? I said, sure. 20 minutes later, I couldn't hardly move. And the next day, I was so sore, I couldn't stand it. And I just said, all right, let's go. I want to know more. And that's how I got into boxing. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So boxing was pretty good for you in 99-2000. You won the, yeah. US, the bronze for the U.S. national yep. team. That's incredible. That's a, that's a feat all its own. So how was that feeling? Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of the same thing with um, the U.S. Nationals. A bunch of us girls, women, we were boxing with, like, really no end game. Mm. It, it was like it was just doing boxing where the men had the Nationals and they had the World Championships. Women didn't have anything at that point. Um, and, you know, one of these days, if you ever get a chance, really go and look up the history and it's – People like this past Sunday, there was, um, and I watched it, uh, there was a all-women's card in London with Clarissa Shields, Shields and yeah. yeah, a bunch of them. And um, for the longest time, they're like the first ever historic. And I'm like, that's a bunch of bull. <laughs> I, was, I was on an all-women's card down in Florida right. in 2000. But uh, yeah, so ultimately uh it became where we went to these bigger you know tournaments that got to be a little bit bigger um we had to travel a lot it wasn't like the guys where you could just go to buffalo or in rochester right. and and get bouts i mean for women and especially i you know it wasn't like i was 18 19 i was already you know in my late 20s early 30s we had to travel all over the place illinois pennsylvania florida just to get bouts right and um, ultimately then we had enough people, enough states interested with enough local boxing, boxing commissions to where we could host, um, us nationals. That's awesome. And then from there, so that, that was the second ever us nationals. Um, and then I went to the one in Scranton PA the next year and you had to then have 22 countries to, before you could have a world championship. So you had to wait a few years before you could get to that point. Wow. And then they started the world championships. But by that point, uh, basically I was like at a crossroads of, was I going to stay amateur or, you know, was I going to go pro if I was going to continue to do boxing? Because, um, you know, as they say, getting long in the tooth, I was yes. already, I was already getting there. And, you know, 
yeah, I had to make a decision at some point. Yeah. So yeah, going pro, that was a 2002, correct? Yeah. Was there anybody you fought that kind of starstruck you when you, you finally made it? So now I got to fight somebody. No, I mean, you know, I, there were people that on my radar that I always wanted to fight, you know, unfortunately, as, as much as I had, you know, relative success, um, there were a lot of people I wanted to fight that, that they never materialized. Um, I had a contract to fight Christy Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, we've since, you know, become very good acquaintances. Um, and I've always told her, I said, I really, I think that us not fighting is how it was meant to go because we've had some personal conversations, a, a lot of stuff during the time that, you know, she was going through her, her stuff with, um, her, with the domestic violence. And, yeah. and I just, I just think, you know, I was meant to be there in a different way in her path and, and not as an opponent. Um, but we were signed for a contract for three months. And turn, we both turned down fights and we had to get legal teams involved and everything else because a promoter out of Virginia just fell short. And mm. we were going to be the main event in Richmond. And uh, Camacho Jr. was going to be the co-main event. And uh, the promoter just wasn't selling tickets. And they ended up, uh, they were cutting Christy and I off the card and you know, they were trying to pit us against each other, but we knew the truth and we talked, our teams talked to one another. So we knew what was going on. Right. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I say Christy Martin, um, you know, was kind of the first one um, and Wolf for sure. And uh, we've become, you know, acquaintances over the last 20 years. Uh, we were on the car, the all women's card together down in 2000 um, or 2002, I guess down in uh, Florida and, you know, she played, I always brag about these people because I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know them and, and the things they've done, but she was in the movie wonder woman. Yep. She played Art, Artemis yep. and, uh, um, you know, she just got inducted up here at the, this year's, uh, inaugural induction of women into the international boxing hall of fame. Wow. And, uh, so that's like the second time in 20 some years I've been able to sit and actually talk to her for a little bit. But um, yeah, so I'd say probably like Ann Wolf. And again, they offered for me to fight her too. And, you know, they were like $3,500, eight rounds. I was like, you better put some, an extra zero. on that. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm not stupid. I'm not, I'm not out there trying to rake anyone over the coals and I would have done it for more than half that or less than half that price. But, I sat ringside in down in Florida on that women's card and watched her just throw an uppercut like this. And, and, uh, Marsha Bailey's both of her feet came off the ground about an inch wow. at the same time. And I was like, well, if you want, I'll fight her, but you know, yeah, not for that price. You're putting your life. Yeah. Not for that price. You're putting your life on the line. Yeah, What's fair that. is fair. And, and, and like yeah. you said earlier, I mean, you know, what the, the women fighting today, can certainly thank you for paving the way. So, I mean, everything you've just said so far, you're a trailblazer, not only in, in boxing and, and with the military, but in life in general. I mean, that that's something to be uh, very proud of. And not just for women, by the way. I mean, just, you know, anyone in general who who wants to do something that that, that they're afraid of and, and, you know, as far as being an inspiration, you're you're an inspiration for everyone. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Th those those championships. Um, you, I think in two thousand and five, you won um, the W. 
Yes, yes. Like that has got to be like that's there's pinnacles and there's apexes in your career and and what you're trying to do was that. Do you feel like that was one of like, like rank that in your in your in your accomplishments, which obviously are many. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely winning. Uh, you know, the goal obviously was to try to go for a world title. Right. You know, I was really hoping I was going to have that fight against Christie, which was going to be for the NABF. And right after that, you then get the opportunity for the WBC, which is what everyone wants is okay. the green belt. Right. Everyone wants the WBC. Um, you know, but in boxing, one of the things I, I learned and I, I tell people, it doesn't matter what the title is. You know, people will talk all the time. Well, there's this alphabet belt and this yeah. alphabet there might be, but somebody's got to fight for them. And I'm not going to turn down opportunities no matter what it is. Um, because not everyone gets opportunities, right. you know, presented to them. I was, you know, so I would say that, um, winning my, that first one, you know, that was definitely, um, probably, the biggest highlight of my, my boxing career, as far as my fights. And then I was just having this conversation with the uh, president of the international women's boxing hall of fame the other day, uh, because unfortunately it, for different reasons, I'm not gonna be able to make it out there this year to Vegas, which is coming up on the 22nd. Um, but that right there, uh, you know, the Marine Corps boxing hall of fame, that was like, I didn't, neither one of these did I ever see coming my way ever. Um, when I got the call from the Marine Corps, when I can tell you, I cried like a baby as soon as I hung up the phone yeah, that's <laughs> um, awesome. because I was just like, you know, that's where I met Leon Spinks and became friends with him and his wife, Brenda. And I invited Brenda and she sat at my table and, and because I wanted to talk about Leon as well and right. her support when I got inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame. But I would say the, the induction into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame to me by far is like the very top right, right of right. everything. Uh, that, that's a, a, an accomplishment, a, a lifelong, that shows a lifelong dedication to something. When you get in, inducted in, into any type of Hall of Fame, th those those are really um, appreciation like for, for your whole body of work, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So 2010, you were ranked number two. You had a big title fight coming up for two belts. Something happened. What was it? Well, um, my opponent, Carlette Ewell, um, you know, God bless the the fact that she's okay now. Um, but she was trying to cut weight too fast, too much too fast. And she went into renal failure. Oh, wow. And uh, even, you know, kind of person that she is, and we, we, we were sparring partners to get each other ready for different fights had been for years. Um, a lot of people, a lot of promoters did this because they wanted to see an in-state conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the yeah. longest, yeah. For the longest time I was uh, a lot lighter than she was, but at one point we got to where, you know, she came down 20 and I just stayed right where I was at. We were going to be pretty close to where we could make that catch weight and, and make those fights. So we did. Um, but at the time, unfortunately, there were people talking in her ear saying that I had it out for her and I was talking about her. I'm like, I, that's just not me. I mean, right. I, I had no reason to talk about anybody. You, you prove who you are when you get into that ring. There's no reason to use words on the outside because they, they don't hold any weight. Right. Um, so 
we got ready for the fight um, up until we gave her until the day of, which typically you don't do. It's It's got to be the day before. Um, and we knew it wasn't looking great. Uh, and then she just got to the point where she was hospitalized. And so they had to call it off. So they, I was made the interim champion because I had made weight. I was there ready to fight. It's not the way I wanted to have them. Um, and then, you know, then I ended up moving up here back home to New York, uh, relationship wise. Also, my mom was ill and, uh, we ended up there, there was no place around here mm. to get any training. Mm. Um, the closest place would have been like an hour, more than an hour and a half away. And, you know, if you're going to do boxing there, we have a saying, you don't play boxing. You can play baseball, you can play basketball. You don't play. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cause that'll get you, that'll get you hurt real fast. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't going to be able to go somewhere and train at least, you know, four days a week with a team, there was no sense of me doing it. I could do a couple of other days on my own, but you know, if you don't have that team and I, you know, I was, I was spoiled to be honest with you down in North Carolina, you know, a lot of people say North Carolina fighters are soft and stuff, but I had coach Anthony Bradley. I'm the only female he ever trained. Yeah. Uh, he trained Ray Mercer. Um, he was training my best friend, Paul at the time. And I was teaching classes at Paul's place in this one little room that we had that we turned into our own boxing gym that his, uh, fiance, uh, had a dance studio in and there was extra space. So we used that. And one day he just, uh, walked in to watch the guys work out. And I'm like, this, this is going to be my shot. I've got to, right. I've got to work out, but I didn't say anything. And he goes, Hey B said, you're going to come over and you're going to work out. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he goes, well, come on, let's go. And I just knew I had to, I had to give it everything I had. I, I wanted to work harder than the guys. Right. That was my goal. Right. And at the end of it, he goes, Hey, everyone, come on over. He's like, you see how she worked out? He goes, that's how y'all need to work out all the time. And I was like, Oh, well, I, probably didn't make any friends, <laughs> uh, but I mean, we all, we all actually all became a team right. and, you know, a bunch of the guys, there were like four guys and myself and we were all always a team. Um, but I was fortunate enough to have him who he was one of the coaches, uh, one of the lead coaches for the men's U S Olympic boxing team for three Olympics. Wow. Cool. That's great. So you ended up, uh, retiring the same year. Is, I did. Yeah. Um, uh, is there any reason why? Is it just it was times up, ready to go? I know you nah, said you went home I, with relations, long in the tooth, that kind of thing. Well, well, no. When I came up here, like I said, there was no place to train. Yeah, there's right. there's not really any boxing gyms up here, and you know I I could go hang a bag somewhere and put myself through a workout all day long, but that's not going to be the same as having a coach with me riding my butt. You know, right? Coach Bradley could just sit there and he didn't have to say a word. He'd be like, okay four rounds of shadow box yeah. and you just would go 10 times harder than you would if you were there by yourself or even there with the guys. Um, and I knew if I couldn't have that kind of, you know, team uh, around me, then it just wasn't, you know, I could, I'd go into a bout and it, I wouldn't be the same person I was. Right. And I knew that. So I, I was just like, that's, you know, I'm done. So did you define the belts? What's that? Did you defend the belts at all or just retire no. with them? Yep. Oh, not bad. All right. That's great. 
So uh, yeah, I have, I have them. They're they're in a suitcase <laughs> over here. <laughs> That's awesome. So present day, what are you up to? What's keeping you busy? Uh, lots of things. Um, obviously the book, uh, pulling each other along. Um, I've got a book signing, uh, November 5th at, uh, at the mall with, um, Wally fault, Wally's hall of fame, which is a sports store, um, all sporting memorabilia. Great. Um, I'm doing that on the fifth. I'm a general manager at uh, Jim's gym in Elmira, New York. And we are hopefully in a few weeks, we, we've been two years in the making, but with COVID, it, you know, shut everything down and we had to find a general contractor and he's finishing up another job right now, but we have a 10,000 square foot space that we'll be renovating into our brand new boxing facility. And uh, yeah, so we have, I've got a full size gym, regular gym, traditional gym. We've got a CrossFit side on one side. Um, and then we've got a boxing side in a temporary 3000 square foot location right now, but we'll be moving over into the renovated one, which will be a brand new facility with a pro shop and everything. So hopefully by, you know, I'd like to say first, first of the year, January, but I know that's not going to happen. It's probably going to be closer to, you know, end of February. If I had to guess, I, I don't know. We're just waiting on them. But, uh, so then I just became a USA a certified USA boxing coach. Oh. I have a team. I say we have a we have a team. It's not just me. You know, I have a I have a coach um, who is also one of the boxers competitors. But got five guys on there right now. Um, we just started a, a youth, two different age groups, uh, youth boxing classes, um, ages six to twelve, and then thirteen to sixteen. So, um, staying a little bit, staying busy. Staying busy. Wow, Sounds you like, are awesome. so busy. Staying busy. Well, I mean, you definitely Raising. have a, a wealth of knowledge to, uh, you know, to, hand to share with, with, and especially I love it when, when you're talking about the kid classes and whatnot, that's, that's, that's important is to get the kids involved and give them something like that to do as opposed to, you know, the other stuff that they yeah. could get into. Yeah. Being out in the streets. And yeah. I mean, that's, uh, my head coach, uh, Connor Delaney. I mean, we both have the same passion of, we want to, you know, get the kids, give them something different to um, look forward to, keep them out of trouble, you know, let them know, hey, you can do this, but you can't do this in school. Right. You know, if you got frustration, <laughs> yeah. bring it here. You know, I've, I've got right. little ones and, and the, the biggest compliment is uh, I've got a couple of them. They'll come up to me and like, no, Coach Bonnie, we want you to wrap our hands. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> like, OK, <laughs> wrap their hands that are about this big and send them on their way to the other coaches. But, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of I, I the funny thing is, is I said I would never I'd never want to be a coach. Really? Um, I, I love boxing. I love watching it. I love, you know, uh, being there, helping in the corner. But. Um, the first time I got, it was a few weeks ago up in Watertown, New York. We took our, took the team up there and went to our first one, um, to be in the corner and, and work, uh, the corner for Enrique. Um, honestly, like I just had chills. I never knew that I'd get that much joy out of, um, getting on the other side of the game. Right. That's awesome. Just being involved and being on that team. That must be yep. so exciting. It, it's, it's fun to watch them continue to get better, yeah. to keep working hard than to go in. And, and, uh, you know, they had all that nervous energy going on and, you know, we only got one out of the five 
uh, matched up that day. And I told him, I said, this is how the game goes, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, hurry up, hurry up and wait. Yep. Yeah, you need yeah. Such is life. Yes, it is. Yep. Absolutely. So you got anything else you want to promote? Get it out there? Um, no, I would just say, you know, anyone that's in the area that uh, wants to come out and, and uh, you know, see me out at, at, out at the mall, Arnett Mall, November 5th from 11 to 4. Um, I also do motivational speaking. I've gone to colleges. Awesome. Uh, you know, if, they, if anyone reads the book, uh, which they can go to pullingeachotheralong.com, uh, uh, I tell my story. I don't hold it back. I, I talk about, um, you know, uh, attempted suicide. I talk about, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps and, and also the, the habitual uh, drinking from uh, my grandfather on my maternal side that I had no idea was an alcoholic. And, you know, it, it took leaps and bounds and landed in my lap. Um, I talk about, uh, the sexual abuse at when I was, you know, six. So I don't hold back with that stuff. Um, and that's the stuff that I share, you know, and let people know, look, you know, just, you know, put your hand up or pull someone to the side and right. let them know you need to talk to them and, and try to get them some help or at least just a listening ear. Cause sometimes that's all they need. So, you know, if anyone's looking for a, uh, a speaker, I'm available. There you go. Fantastic. Wow, because it is. And so we're so honored to have you on the Never Stop Getting It podcast because, honestly, you never stop getting it. It's not just about boxing or uh, the, the military or uh, the, the the first girl in Little League. I mean, it. you can just – just what you said, it's about life and to be mm-hmm. able to share your story. And so thank you for sharing your story here with us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Bonnie. So thank you, and of course, never stop getting it, and we hope to have you on the show again. Absolutely. Good luck. All right, Barney, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. All right. right, Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Never Stop Getting It podcast. And join the community on Facebook. Never Stop Getting It and Twitter at Never Stop Getting It and of course, NeverStopGettingIt.com